welcome to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. This is Jin from the Bronx, and you are welcome also to my West Hollywood condo on a breezy May day. Let's talk about prayer in the time of coronavirus. There are no sacraments, especially confession and the Mass during this time. So let's talk some more about what you're doing to keep your spiritual sanity during the time, what prayers you're using, what space you're using, and how readily you feel able to get into prayer. I know that a lot of people, including me, have separate areas which are devoted to a a place of formal prayer in some room or another. Mine is in the bedroom and has been there for about two years. And I use it, but not as regularly as I would like. I think this is another area where how you are raised is part of the formula of whether or not you are finding it easy during this time to pray. Now for me, I was put on the right path, obviously, by my parents. I was sent to Catholic school, went to regular Mass, I had a good foundation, but outside school, there wasn't much, if any, prayer. There was no grace before meals. I'm not sure that there were any rosaries even at school, but there certainly were none at home. There was no talk at home about God, and I guess I would say there weren't a lot of frills around my Catholicism. Now, interestingly, my father was very fascinated by religion and from an intellectual point of view did a lot of reading and as I got older I became aware of that and when I came back to the faith he ultimately also came into the faith for a variety of reasons so with my regular participation at mass and classes and discussions I became somewhat more involved in prayer. So for example, every year I'm part of a group that goes to the cemetery to pray for souls of various individuals who were friends of ours who have died. I have been in some groups where we do some prayer, but I'm still not perfectly comfortable. And I don't know if it's embarrassment. I don't think it's that. It may be a lack of humility, because if I were truly humble, I would be eager to pray under all circumstances. Prayer directs us and brings us to God, to his very presence. Teresa of Avila, who was a 16th century mystic and doctor of the church, posited in her book, The Interior Castle, an image of seven mansions within a castle through which we can grow in the depth and clarity of our prayer and our presence in the face of God. Obviously, it's imperfect until after we pierce the cloud of unknowing after our deaths. But still, it's a, an access point on even a good day. I wonder if I'm still at the very threshold of the first mansion. Teresa was extraordinary. She founded many convents at a time when she was constantly under suspicion by fellow nuns and from the leaders of the church because she was trying to do something more ascetic 
than was usual in the convents of the time. In my dusty piles of books, I ran across one that I must have picked up somewhere a long time ago because it belonged to a lay Carmelite library. It's called The Eternal Mystic by Joseph Glynn. I underlined so much in terms of the struggle, the struggle for all of us, my struggle to pray, but particularly given the last days, this particular line struck me. To attain union with God, I have to travel a dangerous, mysterious, labyrinth path through my own psyche. I don't know about your psyche, but mine is pretty daunting. Not necessarily in a way that makes me so intelligent or wonderful, but definitely in a way that creates chaos from time to time. <laughs> patience is required even to begin, and patience is not my strong suit. And with the most unusual onset of a complete remaking of our society in these last months, and one that looks like it's going to continue well into the future in the face of the coronavirus, my tenuous patience has not well borne the testing, hence more urgent the need for prayer. This might sound a little simplistic, but I can tell you from my own experience that God provides in good times and bad. I have an example from about two years ago about God's amazing and timely intervention with His grace that gives me strength. About uh, two years ago, a little less, I took a trip to Israel, specifically to Jerusalem and its surrounding areas, and that was quite a feat for me because, one, I hate to fly, and this is a 14-hour flight going in one direction and 17 coming back, and Israel is never from most people's perspectives, safe. And as I am a coward, I was very reluctant to go, but felt this need at that particular point to go. Every day was packed with sights and sounds, and it was in a way rather manic, and I had gotten to a point where I was concerned because everyone said I was going to have a transformative experience and I hadn't been, even though I'd seen some amazing sights, including Calvary. One evening, it was about dusk, and we went to the Church of All Nations, also known as the Church of the Agony. It was dusk, and from the portico of the church, you could see the Dome of the Rock and the lights shining on the walls of Jerusalem, Old Jerusalem. And then we went in. And it was not hugely crowded, but around the rock that is said to be the one on which Christ had his agony, there was a group of Koreans, women mostly and some men. The group of Korean visitors were singing, and I pulled out my camera to take shots of the surrounding art and of them, and because the song was so hauntingly beautiful. I've actually looked for it, and uh, I wish I could find it. it. It's something that is so amazing. I don't know what the English translations were of what they were saying, but clearly it had to do with the sweating of blood and the fact that Christ, in his human nature, was afraid. 
but yet realized that this was the purpose for which he had born, to suffer and die for the very human beings that would kill him. This is what I heard. I don't know if you could hear the sniffling that I was doing back in 2018 as I watched and listened to those people singing around the rock that is purported to be the one upon which Christ sweated blood. That moment was a kind of liminal experience, an aha moment, if you will, in which I said to myself, yes, yes, I can keep praying, I can keep seeking God out. From that day, my experience of being in Israel, on the Galilee, on the Jordan, it opened up my sense of the presence of God. And then you get back to real life. So here it is in May 2020, two plus months into this shutdown as a result of the panic over the coronavirus. Whether you believe it's warranted or not, to the extent that we have been shut out from normal activities, you still have the same stress. A couple of days ago, I was having a particularly bad time and two things happened. The first was a call from a longtime friend from my parish. And I don't remember exactly what we talked about, but we talked a long time and a great deal of it was about endurance and about God. Then yesterday, I was one of five women who was blessed to be able to do a live stream rosary where we properly distanced, there was no one in the church, and the reason for doing this was that May 13th was the celebration of the first day that Our Lady of Fatima appeared to three young shepherd children urging them to pray the rosary for the salvation of souls. I hadn't been in my church since, uh, I think it was, uh, no, it was Good Friday, and, uh, and that was also a live stream, properly distancing uh, mass that I had the opportunity to be lector at. 
but I had not been in the church since that time. And I have to say that it was like going to a well after a long stretch in the desert and taking the first sip of water. I wasn't alone in that feeling, I think, because as we were doing the rosary, I noticed that several of my companions were tearing up in the same way that I was. And that's what reminded me of the experience in Jerusalem, because the feeling was almost identical. For me, at least, it's about tolerating and even trusting in the ebbs and flows and precisely when I don't feel like praying, it is the time to pray. I want to end this session with two quotes from my little book of wisdom that I put in various prayers and meditations that help me sort things out. The first I offer because when I opened the book, this was the first thing that I saw. So I'm assuming that there's some reason that I opened it to that point. It is uh, by a father, Donald Haggerty, who is a priest of the Archdiocese of New York and a professor of moral theology at the Capuchin Institute of Philosophy and Theology in Ethiopia. And this meditation was in one of the Magnificats going back a year or two or three. I think it refers to the ebbs and flows that I've been talking about. And it's called Signs Given. A rhythm of divine approach and disappearance repeats continually. This interchange educates us in the paradox of relations with God. When God is drawing closer, it is not uncommon that darkness encloses the soul for a time. Trials become precursors to deeper graces in prayer. More significantly, the purifications God imposes parallel the disclosure God is preparing. When he shows himself, it will be in camouflage and shadow, the glimpse of his face often not recognized until later. God is never so hidden for long, provided our eyes are open. Indeed, no one grows in faith without finding signs of God's help and intervention in daily life. Small favors that could be dismissed as chance until we begin to notice their frequency. Fragmentary, perhaps seemingly unlinked these quiet signs reveal a personality of great kindness in god and here's the rub at the end of this meditation but even more they may reinforce the pain of those times when his concealment seems to be again steady and enduring for me it's about perseverance precisely at the moment that i want to give up Maybe that's true of all of us. I just don't know. Call it a part of our mission. And so I want to end with a really favorite segment meditation prayer that comes from Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, also known as Edith Stein, who died in a concentration camp during World War II. Whatever did not fit in with my plan did lie within the plan of God. I have an even deeper and firmer belief that nothing is merely an accident when seen in the light of God, that my whole life, down to the smallest details, has been marked out for me in the plan of divine providence. It has a completely coherent meaning in God's all-seeing eyes. 
And so I am beginning to rejoice in the light of glory wherein this meaning will be unveiled to me. And so it is my plan after I post this particular podcast to go outside on this breezy sunny day in West Hollywood, California and either do the rosary or listen to the mass probably from the chapel of Bishop Robert Barron. What I'm hoping to do in the future so that uh, I can talk to and you can listen to the ordinary me's out there besides myself to get a second microphone and to do interviews perhaps with people from my parish, perhaps from other resources. But the idea is, again, to experience together what it is to be struggling as ordinary people and Catholics.